Good evening. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me, Cody Dre. Happy to be here. I'm glad to join you. Are you happy? You kind of look like you're at gunpoint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, nobody can see that I yeah. am. So um, I'm getting ready to head up for the Sela this weekend, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited to be with all the beautiful, lovely Sela people. I think you need it after the year you've had. Yeah. So the last Sela, I was in the hospital having a tiny two pound baby mm-hmm. and very sick. So this time I'm just like so stoked to be there and to not miss it. And you will be also having an adventure at home with our children. Yeah. Which is going to be awesome. Actually, it'll be your fun. own Salem, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Today's episode, I am so excited to share it with you guys. I recorded it a while back, and it's finally time to let it out in the world. This is a conversation with Temetapi Peters. And so he's um, a friend that we've met here in Boise a while back. And I'm so bummed because the day we went to do his interview... There was like a wild windstorm. Do you remember that windstorm? Yeah, I do. Okay, so it kept knocking on our power and our internet and our neighborhood. And so we got like the first little bit of our recording in and then like everything powered down. Like Mm -hmm. my like my internet went out and quit recording for some reason. And it was just spotty. But anyway, so he was telling me because when you and I were introduced to to him we were introduced to him as toby peters and so i had asked him to start out the podcast just why the name change and he told me this beautiful story of that his parents were immigrants and his given birth name was timmy tape but um as he grew he just really felt like he didn't fit in anywhere he like didn't fit in with his white friends he didn't fit in with his black friends even necessarily i think he was living in california and so he like had that he had changed his name to toby and just like in order to make it feel like he had sort of a american name and so as he got older he just felt really like i mean within even just the last year or two couple years he felt really like called up to just live into his given identity and that it was like just beautiful his background and his story and so he was telling the story of that and I hope I didn't butcher it too bad and then so when we picked the interview back up and um, it started recording again we were kind of at the tail end of that and that's where we went from there so we went in from that to like We talked about identity and race and reconciliation, all kinds of beautiful stuff. And he really like has a lot to say from a unique perspective and the heart of God. He's, um, uh, he puts out a lot of content. He's a musician. He's a, like a writer. I think he's going to, um, maybe even start a podcast. I hope so. Yeah, so like at the beginning of 2020, I started noticing that he was doing these Instagram live conversations about all of this, about like race and stuff during like the BLM riots. And they were maybe conversations that may have been uncomfortable. And he had just a way of making them comfortable and just saying things in a very uncharged way that felt like there was just so much piece around it and so i just kind of got hooked on watching those and following his content so Mm -hmm. all of you guys 
follow him on Instagram, go download his music, and you will be better for it. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. This is a great one. His perspective is awesome. And mm-hmm. it's cool to hear the journey that he's on right now. Right. Also, if you like this episode, which I know you will, share it on your um, socials and share it with friends. Enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. My one sense of normalcy, this is the one thing that makes me feel like I fit in with the majority. And God basically took me on a journey at the beginning of 2020, um, where I just threw a, specifically through this experience I had writing songs with some people in Atlanta. And I was in this room looking around and somebody said something, you know, heaven doesn't look like me or you, it looks like us. And it was like in that moment, like hearing that and being in that room, people literally from all over the world coming in to write these songs. And we were recognizing like the way the song sounded amazing because we all were bringing our unique story in and contributing. I recognized, I was like, oh my gosh, like I wasn't, I like was never supposed to fit in. Like mm-hmm. nobody is supposed to fit in. <laughs> like, yeah. we're, you know what I mean? We're all yeah. fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of us handcrafted in the mother's womb and everything about us, our parents, the color of our skin, our experiences, the way that we think, I say your color, culture, your creed, all three of those things come together in a unique combination that makes you, you. And God wants to redeem and restore all of those things so that you can reflect his heart in a way that only you can. Everybody, whether you're Christian or non-Christian has the Imago Dei in them. They have the imprint of, the, of God on them. And, what, and if, whether they choose to recognize that and ask for him to redeem their story through the blood of Jesus or not, doesn't matter. They got that imprint on them. And so I believe that it's important for us as people to own who we are, to be authentic to who we are. And so I, once that happened, I was like, I'm not going to be Toby anymore. Like my name is Timmy Tape and Timmy Tape to me um, is what, what I was named and that captures um, the essence of who I am in a name. And so to me, it was a very important for me to make a change in my mind of like, okay, Toby is that, that person that was not sure where he fit in, um, that person that didn't, wasn't awakened to God's purpose on his life. Mm-hmm. Timmy Tape is awake and aware and so changed by understanding that I don't, fit in on purpose i'm fearfully wonderfully made so so zealous about that that i have to tell other people and help them to find their own selves in the journey too Mm. wow that's powerful i think everyone came out of this year especially needing a sense of identity and belonging no matter who you are so i mean can we backtrack a little bit and you tell me what it is that you do you i mean you've been doing these like really powerful talks (laughs) about reconciliation you've been writing music are you you're pursuing being a musician you're moving to nashville so tell kind of give me an overview of that yeah um yeah i i have a mission statement i tell myself every day my name is timmy tape and i'm creating a music movement empowering the church to be reconcilers through loving ourselves and others beyond comfort and so that's what i believe god has shaped me for um what you're referring to those conversations kind of when all of this started happening for me, it was really, God is just wild. Cause I'm like, I have all my past experience. Right. And then 
everything kind of came to a head for me like before COVID, before the racial unrest in our country. So God's taking me on this journey of going like, look at how all your past meets your present. And then everything shut down. So I started doing things not knowing, right? Like you didn't know that anything was gonna like happen. I didn't know that the world was gonna end up the way it was in 2020. But what I wanna do is like I said, create a music movement that empowers the church. I think that media is a teacher. I think that culture is the teacher and media is like the PE teachers, the one that everybody likes to hang out with, you know, like the yeah. one that everyone likes to skip class for. And yeah. music is a very powerful teacher um, in the sense that you can people that are gay, straight, um, feminist, misogynist, Democrats, um, Republicans, people everywhere that like, identify with these cultural markers that I don't think we should, but the point is people do. And they all end up in the same room because they're like, we love John Mayer. Like, we yeah. just love how he plays, you know? Music yeah. has this really innate ability to draw different people naturally and gather them together where they look past their differences and, and just focus. So I want to use music's power to do that, but I want to, instead of like making the lights shut down and look people at the stage, let me entertain you, I want to turn the lights on and turn to go look at people, look at the people next to you. Let me equip you to how to be in relationship with people like this outside of this music experience. So what I've been doing is having these conversations um, on Instagram and we've just been talking about what it means like to love beyond our comfort, what it means to love people that are uncomfortable for us to be around, learning how to like identify those areas of our hearts that, you know, are still callous towards a certain person for, because of their color, culture, or creed, learning how to lean into those conversations. And then those conversations that I've been having have really influenced my songs. So then I will end up writing songs based off of those conversations. Right. Just put a record out in January, 2021 called Meiji. And then I take the songs from those records and I pair those with experiences that allow people to practically apply the concepts that they've heard through the podcast and through the music into yeah. their own life. So this first one was focused on what it means to be a reconciler, to build a life of reconciliation with people of color. It's called a reconciler's guide focused on people of color. And it takes every song from my last record and it pairs it with a civil rights moment and talks about how the church didn't show up then, but how the church has an opportunity to show up now. I, my messaging and my ministry is to the church because I believe that the church is the hope for the world. Jesus told the disciples, I just wrote about it today with a friend, like Jesus told the disciples, like you are the light of the world. Like you are, you know, we like to think about Jesus being like, I'm the light of the world. He is the light of the world. He is, but Jesus also is in us. Jesus is in his church. So we can be hope for the world. We can be light for the world. Um, but we have to recognize that he is in us and then put ourselves in, in situations that are uncomfortable to be that light. Light amongst light doesn't do anything. It's light in the darkness that makes a difference, right? Salt just yeah. by itself doesn't do anything, but salt on food makes a difference. So I'm trying to equip the church through these resources to have conversations, to build relationships with people in their own communities so that they might experience the heart of Jesus and find their unique place in this family. Did you know we have a Sela newsletter? Amanda and I started it. We are offering just short articles and essays and recipes and beautiful ideas and pictures and workings of other people and even guest writers about twice a month in a short email that will be dropped into your mailbox. I don't want to should you, but I think you should go to um, the Creative Sela 
Instagram and follow us, of course, and then go to the link in the bio and you can get signed up right away to be in our newsletter list. And then you'll also be first to know about um, specials going on and um, new dates for Sailor retreats and Sailor dinners and adventures, all the things we're doing. Um, who couldn't use a little bit of beauty and good news in their email list? Um, so I would love it if you would go sign up for that today. So, okay, if, if you boil it back for those of us just starting and joining in the conversation, I mean, break down what is reconciliation and what can the church do better and should do better? Sure. I, I, yeah, no, it's great. I think an easy, an example, maybe not a definition, but an example of reconciliation, I think we find in the book of Genesis and in the book of Revelation. Okay. God created everything to live in communion with himself, the, like nature and each other. What we see in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, before the fall, before Genesis 3, like that's what reconciliation is. It's things living in right relationship with each other. Fast forward to Revelation, Jesus is going to come back and reestablish a new heaven and a new earth so that it goes back to that, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. But we have in our, and we see it in Genesis 3, and we, if we're all honest with ourselves, we see it every day. We make decisions where we go, no, I, maybe I know better than God. Maybe I know, if I know, if I can think like God, then I can be in better relationship with him. If I can think like God, I can be in better relationship with each other. If I do it my own way, I can do better. That's, that's what's created these divides. Yeah. It's us getting lost in our own thinking, drawing lines in the sand, and then like not being able to extend a hand and instead, you know, lift up a gun or lift up a fist at each other. And when you go, you don't see it my way. That's not what God does with us. That's mm -hmm. not what we were made to do with each other. So that to me is like what a picture of reconciliation is. And that's what I'm trying to help the church to see that, you know, Jesus as the second Corinthians five talks about the ministry of reconciliation. That's something else. I read Psalm 139 every day and I read second Corinthians five very, very often two, three times a week. I'm trying to get to reading that every day as well. Um, but that just talks about how God reconciled us to himself through Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So the church exists because Jesus, God used Jesus to reconcile us back. That's how we became his bride. That's how we became his body. And now he's given us that same ministry. So he's like, hey, you've been reconciled to me. You now have the opportunity to participate in the work that I'm already doing and reconciling the world back to myself. So that's why I talk to the church and I say, look, specifically, let's take cancel culture, for example. Yeah. Everybody, cancel culture is crazy. It's rampant right now. Um, but I think that it's the most rampant and has been the most rampant in the church forever. Yeah. Uh, I heard somebody say recently that the church is the only army that like shoots its, shoots its own. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, well that pastor fell down. So everything he or she said is now null and void. And I'm like, yeah. really? Like why, why, when did we ever look at each other for hope? Did, did, I mean, I didn't down the, Pastor didn't down the cross, that leader, that musician, that whatever, like, we didn't do it down the cross for you. Like, we are just like you. We are, we are all sinners. Romans 1, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, and so in that same token, all are offered a, a hand of redemption and, and reconciliation through the blood of Jesus. And so what I want to help the church do is to learn how to stand next to somebody in the pew who doesn't vote the same way that you do. You might stand with organizations that you disagree with, 
who yeah. might um, even practice their lifestyle that like you disagree with, right? Like right. learning how to stand next to those people and, and still see and experience and worship God and allow yourself to be in a relationship with that person that you can experience God through them and them through you. Because um, yeah. if we can learn how to do that, then we can be hope for the world. So my vision of what I want my ministry to do is I want to help people to, I want to see authentic people in a multicultural church where it is celebrated, the uniqueness, right? Multi-ethnic is just different colors. Multicultural is saying like the uniqueness of people we want to celebrate. Authentic people in a multicultural church for a reconciled world. Wow. So let's talk about putting ourselves in uncomfortable conversations. That is a, such a lost art form and it like makes your heart race. And it's like, I think that a lot of us haven't been in a lot of safe conversations that are also with someone that are different. So how can we lead in that way? Mm, that's a great question. I think, again, I would hope that in the church, we could, we could start to learn how to do that. Um, in the sense that we, if you, are part of a, a church family, right? Not the building, it's the community of people. If you're part of a church family and, and you call and you, and you say that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life, then there's that common ground that you have, right? Where you can just go like, hey, above whatever, wherever disagreements we, have, we may have, like we know this truth to be self-evident, like this is what we're holding to together, this is what bonds us. Mm -hmm. If we can learn how to do that and then start asking questions, like within that space, I mean, the church should be the safest place, like, you know, air quote, safest place to have uncomfortable conversations, to go like, okay, sitting in this room, sitting in this room, you know, whether your church is uh, 50 or 50 or 5,000, it's like, nobody's the same. Nobody's the same. So instead of just like walking in and walking out, why don't you walk in and then turn to the person next to you and go, hey, tell me your story. And like actively listen. And actively ask, follow like you're doing. You're doing such a great job with me right now. Like, hey, you said this. Tell me more about that. Hey, okay, you you call yourself Timmy Tappe now. Tell me more about that. Like, learn how to ask questions. Seek to listen more than to be heard. Um, seek to bring bread to the table versus a hammer, because that's what we've done for a long time. I must make you think like me. Bang, 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 bang. Instead of, hey, tell me your story and I'll tell you mine. Will you break some bread with me? I mean, that's what we saw Jesus do. He didn't walk around. Palm Sunday just happened, right? He didn't come in on a horse with an army and beat everybody into kneeling before him. He came in on a donkey and he was homeless. And it was through like his humility and his ability to just see people and meet them where they were at that people ended up going on their knees and worshiping him. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that humility is power. I think that is the key, is that humility. Um, I want to talk to you about the Palm Sunday and Holy Week in the light of reconciliation. And I mean, I don't know when this will air. Maybe I'll turn it around really quick. But um, <laughs> what, are you, um, what are you working on? I saw some stuff you, some content you put out that was really powerful. Thanks. Yeah, I... I'm right now, I'm looking at Holy Week and I'm looking at it through the lens of reconciliation. I'm trying, I'm looking at it and going, okay, Jesus, show me like what about your character I can take away so that I can live like 
so that I can continue living like a reconciler. Because I think that's what you, that's who you were. Jesus was a lot of things. And the beauty about, who, about Jesus being a lot of things is like, there's a lot of people that can focus on different aspects of who of his character. And I'm just choosing to look at the reconciliation piece because that's what's the most, um, that's what means the most to me. Learning, learning how to reconcile with myself, learning yeah. how to reconcile with everything in my life to, to be where I am today. So yeah, I'm just looking at Holy Week and I'm looking at everything that happened during that week. And like today is um, Holy Monday and we're gonna be, I'm gonna put up some tables that happened on Holy Monday, which I think is really interesting because it's like literally the day before he came homeless man on a donkey, like, and he looked at Jerusalem and he was like, just like his heart was sad. So it's like, you got like a crying homeless man on a donkey only the next day to be like an angry man in the temple, whipping people, flipping tables. I'm like, that's insane. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all I'm doing. That's so great. That's really cool. Okay, I want to back up to 2020 before all hell breaks loose and you, you feel this stirring and you start having these conversations. What's one maybe theme or thread that you know now about yourself and about God that you didn't know before you started having these conversations? instinctively I just wanted to say unique yeah. I think that's really I mean that's really important to me uniqueness is really important to me I think as I began to understand and appreciate the uniqueness of my own story as I was hearing stories of other people through yeah. listening I began to see and appreciate the uniqueness of their stories and through that, I actually saw parts of God I've never seen before. <laughs> I'm seeing parts of God through you that I've never seen before. Because again, you are you, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I talk to your husband, Cody, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to see a different part of God, you know? So like, yeah. I've learned how to see and appreciate the uniqueness of people and how to see God in that. Sometimes it's not, it's not always like, hey, like, I think sometimes it's like, God's like, this is, this is, this is something that might, that reflects my character. And sometimes he's like, this is something that doesn't reflect my character, but either way, I'm still learning something new about God. Yeah. Wow. That's really, that's really amazing. Makes me want to have more conversations with more people. <laughs> um, so yes. yeah, that's it. So let's talk about uh, transition and moving forward. You're doing something really brave and taking your music to Nashville. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> oh my goodness. Honestly, when I was driving out here on Friday, I was like, I never, honestly, I, music's been a big part of my life for a long time. As long as my wife and I have been together, I've been doing music like professionally at, at some level. Mm -hmm. Started off in a metal band. Now I'm here not doing metal. So wow. I'm sure she's super happy about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, man, I mean, even bringing Jordan into it, like she's actually the reason that, she's a big reason why we're here, to be honest. She's okay. a big reason why I'm here because this has been a really interesting season for me. This has been a season and I have no problem admitting this where I've been like led by my wife more than I have led her. Mm -hmm. because when stuff started happening um, in 2020 and, and things were starting to happen um, also, um, you know, 2020 just gave everybody 
2020 vision. It really gave us 2020 vision, but it, it didn't give us 2020 vision of like what the things we're going to build. It gave us 2020 vision about who we actually are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a year revealing. So I have a buddy, two people. I have a spiritual mentor that told me 2020 is the year of revealing. And then somebody in my church um, that I was going to back in Boise said that 2021 is the year of reveal, a removal or renewal. And so for us, 2020, like the Lord just revealed some things um, about us and about what we felt called to do as, as a family, uh, what he had built me for, what he built Jordan for, what he was calling us to build with our children and, um, and what, and what, what needed to be renewed to be a part of that and what needed to be removed. And so part of that was me leaving my job, which was really scary. And I honestly wouldn't have done it, but once we started kind of praying specific prayers and, and actively listening, Jordan was actually like, I think you need to quit your job. And I'm like, no, <laughs> so because I, I am not a risk taker. I think people, some people, I think they see the conversations I'm having and they go, oh, well, he takes a lot of risk. I, I really don't. I mean, my dad, I, you know, my dad and my parents, they're, they're, again, they're not American. My dad is like in the biomedical engineer. My mom is a, uh, she's a, she was in finance. And so like they had very stable jobs. And when I wanted to pursue art, they're like, get a job in something stable. You yeah. can do art on the side, yeah. which I'm grateful for because I've used my degree to work and pursue music on the side. But Jordan was like, it's time for you to like, see if the boat's going to float, put two feet in, stop putting one foot on the land, one foot on the boat. And so that first step was uh, quitting my job, which was scary because, you know, you, you can say you trust God and, and still get your paycheck. And, but then to say, trust, I trust God and quit your job, it's just, it was hard for me. And uh, so I did that. And then God just started opening doors. It was almost like once I stuck both feet in the boat, stuff just started like moving, which ultimately has led us to being here in Nashville. So I'm, I, I have a, I'm working as an artist in resident, which is a really rare, at least in my experience, a very rare opportunity to be a part of a community and then value your created, your, your music and creativity enough to like basically fund you to do it. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. So it's not like I'm, it's not like everything's all square and in the bag or anything like that, but I have an employer now that really values what I do and they give me 100% flexibility to build and pursue art. And so that's led to different partnerships that we have created with some, you know, industries, um, people, and then partnerships that we are still working on creating. So as those doors, we here we are. There you are. That's so yeah. cool. So are you, um, are you going to continue? Do you have a podcast or were you just doing like Instagram live discussions? Yes. So I was doing Instagram lives and then in like when I started those lives, I, I didn't really mean, it didn't, I didn't mean for it to become what it did. I just was going to do a couple and then mm -hmm. and people kept asking and whatever. Mm -hmm. So it is in the works to make it an actual podcast because the people just want the content. So yeah, there's a couple of things that we have on the front that we're trying to like figure out, you know, that are more important than the podcast, but it will be a podcast. That's really exciting. That's really exciting. Are you, what's going on inside of you right now? Are you scared, inspired? 
what all of the above at once <laughs> i i actually you know i am not i'm i'm not i'm not scared which That's is great. yeah it's kind of cool you know because i have you know i have struggled with anxiety and depression and so fear is you know in that same camp i've struggled with all those things yeah, in this season, yeah, I, I don't feel that. I really don't. And it's funny because even now, you know, like I was just talking to my wife and we were talking about like how much money we have in the bank and what we're going to do. And I'm just like, all right, like this is, you know, people when they think you're pursuing music, they think you like, they don't understand what that means. But I'm like, you don't, you don't make money, really. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's really kind of like, it's kind of a unique calling and, and God will, God can bless things and he will, but like, you know, things take time. And so for us, you know, she's just like, tell me like where we're at financially. And I'm like, all right, this isn't what I wanted, but like, okay. God's got it. Like, we're all right. So yeah, I think I'm hopeful and expectant. Yeah. Do you feel like um, without some of the craziness of the last year, you would have like had the vision for the, for this year going forward do you feel like that solidified some things in you about your identity and going forward and leading other people in that yeah i mean i don't think that yeah god uses everything right i mean mm -hmm. i i don't know i don't know if literally i don't know if if, if i would have went to that camp and then the world sh shut down mm -hmm. and then i just I think there was just a lot of eyes on what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Not that it's about, you know, quantity, mm -hmm. but I do think that God really used, you know, the world quote unquote shutting down and what I was kind of wrestling with, with mm -hmm. identity. Um, I think he used that to minister to a lot of people, which opened up doors that have ultimately led me to where I'm at now, which again, like, I don't, I mean, I didn't have this. I, I didn't see this even, even, even in my wildest dreams before, I didn't see this, you yeah. know? I don't know. It was just, it's, it's really, really unique and cool that God just made all this happen. It is unique. But these are the voices we need. We need people kind of just being like, I'll go first. I'll ask questions. I'll start the conversations. So, um, yeah, let's wrap up with a couple of things. If you're going to, I mean, since you're putting yourself out there and I'm asking, like, um, for, you know, white moms in Boise, Idaho, what can we do to be better besides, I mean, is it just looking around within our churches and asking people their stories? What can we do to be better in reconciliation? That's awesome. That's a great question to ask. I think what's important even to note, you know, and I, I want people to hear this clearly, reconciliation is not just tied to racial lines. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, people sometimes will talk about like, oh, you know, like I don't, I've told my, my, my team, I'm like, look, I don't want to be known for a racial reconciler because when I read 2 Corinthians 5, it's not like racial reconciliation, it's reconciliation, which means anything, mm -hmm. everybody. I mean, there's reconciliation. It's not just, even, even with racial reconciliation, it's not about just white people reconciling to black people, black people reconciling to white people. Mm -hmm. Reconciliation takes two. And there's, yeah. and there's offenses on either side and there's whatever. So I think for white moms in Boise, Idaho, I think it starts with your own friend groups. 
just asking people actually what they believe. I think what's interesting is if we really are honest with ourselves, um, at least if I'm honest with myself in the past, I'm better at it now. I was suppressing a, a bit of who I was, even in my friend groups, because I was afraid that I might lose them if I really told them who I was. So I'm like, I think it's a good practice to learn. Like, I'm going to bring my authentic self into every conversation. I'm going to be present. And if they, and if they can hang, hang, great. And if this is, and if they, if I'm not a, someone that they feel like they can be around, that's fine too. But learning how to value yourself enough to not suppress yourself, learning how to see the uniqueness of who you are to, and to celebrate that so that you're not, yeah you're not you're not hiding it under a bushel really because i'm like god wants to shine through you in a way that only you can so i think it starts in your friend groups bring all your bring yourself to those i think it also starts in your neighborhoods i think a really great practice is just you know we started doing it before we moved we're just like going and getting to actually know our neighbors not just like hey like here's a christmas card but like hey what's going on in your life how can we be thinking about you how can we be praying you for you how can we be supporting you I think that's super, super helpful. I think if there's any sort of minority groups, I know like in Boise, there's a huge refugee population. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So I'm like, get involved with some refugee groups. Ask questions, build relationships. Don't just teach them English and, and do nothing more. I mean, my wife, like she would teach them English, but she also built a relationship with one of the women and was driving her to and from. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't even, maybe they shared a meal together. Like, she knew her and she knew us and she met our kids and like build actual relationships. And then I also think another really great thing is to be a part of the solution. For example, when Black Lives Matter rallies were happening in Boise, we went, Jordan and I, and a, another friend of ours went to the police precinct and we're like, hey, look, you know, me and my buddy were black. We're like, hey, look, we are black and we know that now every police officer hates black people. And we as black people, we can't speak for every black person, but not every black person hates police officers. So can we stand together in this moment so that we're not standing against each other if anything has to go along, go awry. Mm-hmm. And we were able, they invited us, they asked us to actually go to the Black Lives Matter rally and just to be there and to be a presence. And so I think that, that when things are happening in culture, especially as moms, and I'll even speak as a parent. I don't want to just say this to moms, but I think as parents, we want to protect our kids and hide our kids. Hmm. Um, I don't think I don't think that's always the best thing. I think that we gotta we're not supposed to be conformed to culture one hundred percent. So if things are happening yet, yeah, don't be conformed by it. But we got to be transformative, which means we got to be there. Yeah. You yeah. gotta show up. You can't avoid it. You can't go. Well, I'm gonna use homeschool and and close my eyes and insulate and that or whatever. That's what I want to do. I'll be real. That's what I want to do instinctively. But God's calling us to go out. Again, light has to be in the darkness to make a difference. Salt's got to be on food to make a difference. So I think as, as parents, specifically as Idaho moms, as things are happening, find ways to engage with it and to bring your children in it as appropriate so that you can be something in that space rather than just not being in the conversation at all. Yeah, you're right. There's so much fear. There's like a knot in the pit of your stomach because... Yeah, I think that like uh, social media and stuff gets heightened so much and it's so much easier to like have keyboard courage and get in these fights, but to show up and engage and be like a gentle presence who sees people and brings a sense of belonging. And I think that's really important. And it takes, that's like the real work that needs to start happening. So yeah, it's amazing. 
Can you tell me um, what your, I don't know, if you could leave us with one vision spoken over us of what you really hope to see for the church and, and what you really, really want to see your work do um, that matters over the next year. Can you speak that? I'm gonna just go with this. Be you, allow other people to be themselves and experience a different part of Jesus. Thank you.